Well, that was a wonderful worship service and communion service. Um, the communion bread this morning, uh, outside of the gluten-free, was uh, provided by Robert Folks. He made uh, uh, the uh, unleavened bread, and I think it's the first time I've had communion unleavened bread with garlic in it. I'm pretty sure that's what I taste. Now, I'm not sure that Jesus had garlic in that Last Supper, but I don't think that he, he judges us for having garlic in our... Uh... Yeah, it, it lit me up. I like garlic. I'm married to an Italian. I, I should like garlic a lot. <clears throat> you know, uh, today's pretty exciting. We're going to have a, a baptismal. This morning, Terry Ann's getting baptized this morning. We're pretty excited about that. Let me check the water. Oh, it's better. We, uh, we filled it during about Thursday so it'd get room temperature. And then we went to put hot water in it this morning. And out of the hot water tank came nothing but brown algae-looking stuff. And I got to thinking, that's probably not too far from what it looks like on the Jordan River and, you know, places where they were baptized in the day. But... We have the ability to do differently, and God bless Jeff and, and Larissa for just keep pouring hot water in there because they really love Terry Ann, and they want her to not freeze to death during, during the baptism. I'm just going to stay down here today. I'd like to thank everybody that was praying for us last week, um, and uh, I just really appreciate that during the, the uh, request for prayer. We were down visiting our children, and, and um, Dave and Nikki needed our prayers, so I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I would like us to begin this morning in the book of Mark, chapter 10. Yeah. A, a shorter message today with baptism following and then a meal in which we encourage everybody to just stay and, and enjoy and share with us. Um, in the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 21, I'm reading out of the uh, NRSV today, instead of the New Living Translation. In verse 21, it says, Jesus looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing, go sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. As I meditated on that scripture and considered this scripture, I thought, well, that love looks a lot different than what we think of love as today. It says, he looked at this young man. The young man came to him and said, I have followed the law. I have honored my mother and father. I have been pursuing 
keeping the law in everything. Jesus looked on him, it says, and he loved him. Now think about that. He loved him. And in his love, he said, you still lack something. Go and give everything you've got away and come follow me. And I think in terms of, wow, that doesn't sound very loving. Loving to me is like, yeah, you've done well, my son. Great job. You're really doing good. You know, good to see you're, you're, you're living the religious life. You know, you're keeping up with the religious tradition. It's a good thing that you love. Your, he says, yeah, you do well, but you lack one thing. That's love. Love sometimes comes across in a disciplinary way. Love comes across sometimes from God in a, a difficult saying. But Jesus looked on him and he loved him. And out of that love, he said, you still need to do this thing. You need to let aside, not that good works are bad. Good works are a good thing. But good works is not what it's going to take for you. What it's going to take is for you to follow me. And if you're going to follow me, you can't hold anything more precious to yourself than that. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to be willing to say, I'm willing to give up everything for your name. I'm willing to give up everything to follow you. Now, when I was a young Christian, we're out of the 60s, my wife and I. We're, 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 uh, we don't remember it well, but we're, we do remember the years. We're in the 60s. But uh, when we got saved, you know, it was during the Jesus People movement, and we all had a backpack with an extra pair of socks in it. And when we heard the call to give up everything for Jesus, it was pretty easy. Oh, yeah, here, you can have these socks. Well, you might not want them, but I'm willing to give them up for Jesus. It was easy to say yes. And I thank God for that. But it's no different today. Today we own cars and a house and a dog. I'd be willing to give the dog to somebody, but <laughs> my wife won't. I don't think that's exactly what Jesus is saying to each of us, but he's saying, don't make those things more important than following me. And if following me, those things hinder you, remove them out of your way. Over in Romans chapter 14. In verse 14, uh, verse 17, I'm sorry, chapter 14, verse 17. 
So do not let good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What is righteousness? Seriously, ponder that in your heart for a minute. What is righteousness? Well, it's having a good name in the community. It's not doing your neighbor wrong. It's uh, loving your neighbor. Our neighbor, uh, we're just getting to know pretty well. He's been to church a couple of times now. And, uh, and he's thinking about moving. So yesterday when we saw him, we told him uh, that Nancy and I took a vote. And, and we count for the whole neighborhood. Our vote is the, the votes that count. We took a vote and he can't move. So he said, okay, it's settled. I won't move. But I, I, I don't think he was serious. But uh, what is righteousness? What is it? Righteousness is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that his blood has cleansed you and made you right before God. That's righteousness. Righteousness is having faith that Jesus' blood is what cleansed you and makes you in right standing before the Father. He said to the young man, you lack one thing. All those possessions was not what he was really talking about. He's saying your righteousness is wrong. Your righteousness is in the wrong um, kingdom. Because here he's saying, what is the kingdom? The kingdom is righteousness that comes through the blood, the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. Because we all fall short of God's glory. We all fail. Um, And we have to get up and say, Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord. Forgive me. You're my righteousness. And peace is a part of the kingdom. What kind of peace? You know, how can you have peace in the midst of turmoil? Well, peace that passes all understanding is peace that comes from God alone. I can't explain it. Uh, I wished I could. I've pondered it. I can't explain it. I know when I'm not in peace and I'm, I'm, I'm unrestful. It says, cast all your burdens on him. He cares for you. If you really look that root word burden out, it's, and, and you look down into the, the, uh, the, the root of the word burden there, it's like, it says, cast what's given to you from God on him. Wow. That means these tough times I'm experiencing are given by God. You've all experienced tough times in your life. If you haven't, I want to hang out with you. If you have, I want to hang out with you. Because you've dealt with tough things in your life. And you stood and you stand. And you're serving Jesus. That's what's of value. But peace that passes all understanding comes from being in his presence. Again, come and follow me. Come and follow me, he says. And joy. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is a lot different than just momentary 
um, laughter, um, Joy is something that's a wellspring that comes from within that's given to you by the Holy Spirit. Comes from God. Let's turn to Luke chapter 8. You might be wondering, how does this fit into baptism? You'll see. In Luke chapter 8, verse 46, Uh, we're going to go to verse 43 so we get an idea of uh, what's going on here. As he went, Jesus, the crowds pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. And though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his clothes, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, who touched me? Now get the picture. He's pressed upon by the crowds. I mean, he's surrounded by people. I'm sure she's not the only one to have touched him. But she said in her heart, if I touch even the very hem of his garment, I'll be healed. So she touched him and her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus asked, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and press in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I noticed that power had gone out from me. Now, in the King James Version, they use the word virtue. There's a a little bit of a difference, and I think they're both worth looking at because they're closely related, but I really like the King James Version using the word virtue went out from him. Uh, Power going out from him, that word there, when you look into the Greek or you look into the Hebrew of it, it comes out as... Uh, the same power that was exerted to cast out demons. Now, that wasn't the case here. She was not troubled by a demon in that sense. She was troubled by a physical ailment. It says virtue went out of him. Now, in life, in our daily activities, in the daily course of, of living... People touch us all the time, and we touch people all the time. And either virtue can come out of us or not. Jesus was of such a mind that it came out of him just because of this woman's faith. And he knew when it happened. When unpleasant things happen to us and difficulties come upon us, we can either allow virtue or life to come from us, or we can allow anger and bitterness and and, uh, 
and be tor- the things that torment us, we can allow that to come out. We can allow rejection to come out of us. We can allow all kinds of things to come out of us. What we should pursue is following Jesus so that virtue can be in us, his virtue. And that's what comes out of us as we face the trials in our lives. I want you to think for just a moment, what's the biggest person or problem that you're facing today? Maybe you have a a child that's gone off the rails. Um, Maybe as maybe you're young and you have a parent that you don't feel is understanding you and and loving you. Uh, Maybe you have a spouse that uh, uh, you'd like to see advertised. You know, uh, what's that advertisement in the restaurant in, in Palmer? You know, I don't know, something about, you know, comes with a boat. <laughs> you take my spouse, they come with a boat, or they're keeping the boat, or something. I don't know. But maybe you're facing one of those kind of situations, and when it touches upon you, you have an opportunity for life to come out of you, for virtue to, to literally come forth from you. Not saying we are perfect and we always do that, but it's there and it's available for us to to be like that. Master, the crowds surround you and press in on you, but Jesus said, someone touched me for I noticed that power had gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling And falling down before him, she declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go. Now, here's that word. Go in peace. Why was there peace there? She went to him in fear and trembling. She left with peace. He said to the young man, Put aside everything that's hindering you. Come follow me. For the kingdom of God is not what we possess, but righteousness, peace, and joy. Okay, let's go over to the book of Acts. In chapter 19, talk a little bit about baptism. Baptism is an exciting time. It's when you're making a public statement of something that has happened inside of you. Something has happened inside of you and you, you say, I want to express it publicly. I want a public testimony. So, Jesus said, be baptized, every one of you. And uh, so you're saying, I, I want to be obedient. I want to follow him. I want my eyes on him. I want, I want it to be known that, that Jesus is the Lord of my life. 
and I want to be baptized. There's a lot of different flavors in the church, such as some say you have to be both saved and or uh, receive Jesus and baptized to be saved. Uh, I'm not going to say they're wrong. I'm going to say I don't ascribe to that. I believe when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are saved. And when you are baptized in water, separate from that, you are baptized. They're two acts. They're two choices. I remember uh, my wife walking me into church. We walked into church in uh, in our early years, and she had already received Jesus some months before me and started reading the Bible to me, and me trying to be so peaceful and like, yeah, I'm really open to that. I really wasn't. I'd get angry. I would get angry with her as she would read the Bible, because I would attempt to read the Bible. I don't know why, but I chose to start with Ezekiel. I might as well have turned the book upside down and read it. I'm like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. But we walk into this church. That night, I give my life to Jesus Christ. I get saved. I mean, there's just no, I remember it just like it was yesterday. I mean, the weight that lifted off of my life, the change that happened in me in just a twinkling of a moment. I was a different person. It says, when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been given a new heart, a new life. Did it mean I did everything differently? No, I I went home, found out I was the same guy. But there was a power in me that made me want more, that made me want to change those things, allow those things to be changed. But she went down and got baptized that night. And she and then she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I wasn't quite ready for that. I, I, it took me a while, you know. Uh, but eventually I got baptized. Eventually I got baptized also in the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, So these are all different acts that we surrender our hearts to the Lord to. So where was I? I'm lost. Acts 19, verse 1. I'm all caught up in my salvation experience, my wife and I. That was an exciting time. I'm sure thankful for my wife. She's a mighty woman of God. Oh, 45 years. I didn't think we'd last one. Not because of her. Because I thought she'd discover who I really was. She did. But God had put peace in her heart. (laughs) And got her eyes on Jesus and not on me. While Apollos was in Corinth, verse 1, chapter 19, Paul passed through the interior regions and came to Ephesus. 
where he found some disciples. Okay, now get this. They're already believers. They're disciples. They're followers of Jesus. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became a believer? When you became believers? And they replied, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then he said, into what then were you baptized? They answered, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John's baptism, uh, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Altogether, there were about 12 of them. <clears throat> so what name do we baptize in? Uh, they're, they're, the Gospels say baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Here we see what baptism were you baptized in? Well, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. The, the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, I believe, encompasses the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Over the years, uh, until we got our own cattle tank, we would borrow a baptism or we'd go to the lake. The lake was always fun, but uh, it's cold. Uh, but until then, we would borrow uh, uh, someone's baptism. And they would always ask, well, how do you baptize? Some believed in only baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Some believed in baptizing only in the name of Jesus. And some believed in baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm good with all of those. But when we were baptizing in Catchmack Bay in early May, we were doing it in the name of Jesus, and we were doing it really fast. Here's another one for you. In the name of Jesus, here's another one for you. And, and, and they're baptized. Some of them are around here today. I don't know. Were you baptized in Catchmack Bay? Avaloom. Yeah, it made a good decision there. Um, Acts chapter... 18, or chapter 8. One of my favorite positions on baptism for two reasons. One is Philip and how he came about performing this baptism. And secondly, that as soon as the baptism was done, Philip was translated he was just taken up and moved to another location. And I'm always, every time I baptize someone, I'm always kind of looking for that to happen. I'd like to show up in Hawaii immediately following. You know, not, not someplace in, in uh, Bangladesh or India in the downtown district. I, but uh, who knows, whatever God would do there. But so far, he's chosen not to do that. And I don't know how that took place, but it's there for us to read and and believe. Uh, chapter 8, verse 26. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. 
This is a wilderness road, so it's not his typical choice. I mean, the wilderness could, roads there could be kind of dangerous. There were robbers. There were people that would, um, you know, it was just a rough time, place to go. But an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up, go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. Stand near it. Insert yourself into this guy's life. Virtue is about to flow out of you. Life is about to come forth from you. Make yourself available to this person reaching out to you. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb, silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, about whom may I ask, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? And then Philip began to speak, and starting with the scripture, he pre- 